Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive and Fertility Podcast. It's another week, another episode. Certainly glad that you've joined us again. As you know, my name is Kathy Quillett. I'm the owner of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I'm one in eight. I'm one in four. I'm one in a lot of things statistically. Um, I am so familiar with the topic I'm going to talk about today because it crept into my life as I'm sure it's crept into so many else's. And I just want to want to normalize the experience. I just want to be vulnerable about the experience. And the idea of what I want to talk about today is anger. And I think anger really in this type of situation really marries well. We kind of couple the experience with that of bitterness and jealousy and sometimes rage. They all kind of go together. Now you might be thinking, but Kathy, I'm not an angry person. Or you might also be saying, I was never an angry person and now I'm angry yet everything. I'm angry at Hallmark. I'm mad at Hollywood. I'm mad at commercials. I'm mad at my friends for getting what they want that I just can't have. I'm just mad at them. I'm jealous. I'm bitter. I I cannot be around them. There is no distinction anymore between the anger I have at my own situation and the anger I have at somebody else's situation. In other words, there is no distinction between how I am in my own journey and how I perceive the world around me. Now, I think it would be really hard. I would be remiss if I didn't go back to this idea of trauma. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. If you're new in this space, welcome. Super glad you're here. But I hope that you just buckle in for the next couple minutes and let me talk about this idea of trauma. The work from Martha uh, O'Diamond and Janet Jeffrey um, from think like 15 years ago in a book called Reproductive Trauma. What we're talking about is, is we all had this reproductive narrative that we wrote prior to infertility weaving itself into our story. In other words, here's what that means. For me, I'll use me as the case study here. Essentially, I thought growing up, like I watched my mom, the home ec teacher, be super hospitable, super warm, invited everybody, celebrated everything, knew how to make all the recipes and whatever. And so I would sit at the kitchen island perched up there and I would watch her welcome and I would watch people just be welcomed into this space that kind of all revolved around this sparkle that she had. And she, in my mind, femininity. Being a wife, being a mom meant you welcomed people in. So I grew up thinking that I also had to nurture. And so that nurturing piece of me became a babysitter, became interested in being a camp counselor. I wanted to also nurture. I went to cooking school. I went to sewing class. It's called Barbara's So Much Fun, S-E-W. If you like puns, there you go. I didn't understand when I was little why they spelled it wrong, but I get it now. Thankfully, otherwise I'd have bigger fish to fry. And so I also tried to become this nurturer, this caregiver growing up, dating a little bit in your own story. Did you think, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to do college. I'm going to get married. We're going to buy a house, whatever. And then we're going to have kids. What was your own story? Mine was, um, I wanted to be a mom. I didn't know how I wanted or how to be a mom, but you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage for one in eight people. That's the reality, right? There could be some bumps and bruises along the way, 
but for most people, they get to have that baby. Okay. So my story became a little bit more cemented as did yours. When you married the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life was our reproductive narrative became our reproductive narrative. We both were from three children households. Two kids sounded really manageable and affordable, but because we're both from three children households, we thought let's leave room for three. So that's what we did. And then about a year into our story, and I don't know what this moment was for you. For mine, it was waking up from a laparoscopy hysteroscopy when the, the doctor said to me, Kathy, I'm so sorry you have endo. Actually, that was my husband that said that. I'm so sorry that you have endo. I don't know everything that's down there in that region for you, but if it's there, it's covered with endometriosis and it's just not good. That was the moment that like my reproductive axis of my life, my plan for my life fell off its access. What was your moment? Was it when you were 16 and they found out, you know what, you're just not having normal periods. And that led to a diagnosis of maybe premature ovarian insufficiency. Was it when you knew that maybe um, your dad wasn't actually your biological dad? And so you might need extra support because dad had uh, sperm issues, or maybe when you went to the RE and realized, you know what, it is male factor infertility, or maybe we have unexplained infertility, or maybe the pregnancies I, I'm having, they're just dying. And so in this book, Reproductive Trauma, they talk about at that moment, like life just stop, stops existing in the innocence and the purity that we thought it was. All of a sudden, this journey becomes really hard really hard. And so we get into this moment, like we talked about last time and we've talked about so often our mental health becomes totally compromised because now I'm having to have sex, which used to be romantic. And now it's scheduled and just completely apathetic and no longer fun worth fighting for, but just no longer enjoyable. Our friends are lapping us. Our friends are getting pregnant. They're moving forward in life without us right? All of a sudden these hopes and these dreams and these desires that we had are, are feeling like they're out of reach. The loss of infertility is not just a loss of having a baby. It's a loss of being part of your social circle, still feeling safe outside of your home. COVID made a lot of people in this situation feel really safe because you didn't have to go out and see anybody. Now we're all, I went to downtown Nashville last night with some girlfriends, which was amazing and so life-giving. Um, but that being said, I was so aware that like people were out, there was not a mask in sight and people were out and they were living life and they were enjoying and they were partying and they were celebrating and they were congregating. And so that is going to feel really risky for those that felt really insulated by COVID due to their own infertility experience. And so there's so many losses of infertility. And one of them, I think, is the way in which we perceive the world. We become not, I'm not going to say everybody. There have been a few people I've known who have done infertility and felt like, you know what? This is great. I'm learning a lot about myself. It's not a big deal. We started early. I feel like I have all this time, whatever. And so they're going into this feeling like, I got it. I, I'm young. I have a whole lot of life. Not a big deal. Emotions are going to creep in later for most people. For a lot of us, what creeps in, and I say us because it did me too, anger bitterness, 
jealousy, rage, all of those things that were, especially here in the South, taught not to be. Mask on that smile. And that's what we do. We go out into all of these places, work wherever, and we smile and we laugh and we think, look at all the people who are around us that are, quote, normal, that feel like they're advancing in their life. People that we formerly thought were like on the same page with us are no longer, are no longer, are like kind of sitting at our own table. They're getting on with life where we are sitting a little bit stagnant or so it seems hindsight really affords me the, the opportunity to look back and see like, okay, well maybe life, everybody's life wasn't getting on as much as I thought, but those weeks and those months and those days feel forever long, exacerbating and really shining a spotlight on the fact that we just feel different. I remember my own story of infertility and we lived in a really small town in Northwest Ohio. I think there was maybe 7,000 people during the summer on a really good day. Although people like went to Florida or their lake house, I guess, uh, during the summer months. But on on a good day when everybody was home, it was like 7,000 people. And out of all my friends that I had there at that time, everybody was getting pregnant. The joke was like, you just look at me. We just drink the water, whatever. And we're pregnant or I don't even know how it happens. And each time there was another pregnancy announcement, each time somebody told me that they were pregnant or celebrated some milestone, my anger meter went higher and higher and higher. And so if you are feeling like I'm angry and I don't know myself. I've never been such an irritable, ragey, jealous person before. I get it. I would love to be able to say, here's how you get over it. But let me just tell you that like, it's okay. Remember, and this is why I started here at the beginning. We call this a reproductive trauma for a reason. Think of somebody coming back back from like a really traumatic situation. I've used my brother as an example before 21 years ago ish, which is wild to say that it's over half my life. Now (laughs) he was in a motorcycle accident head first from a motorcycle with an F-150. He had a traumatic brain injury, a lot of other things. His injury from that sustained is he's in a wheelchair. He's at a T7 para, if that makes any sense to you, think nipple area. And I always use the story with permission. That being said, he has an isolated day of trauma. That day, 21 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I don't know. His life was interrupted by one day. Our life in infertility, not to compare grief, don't ever compare grief, don't compare the trauma of life. It's not a grief Olympics, but his trauma was a day. Yes, it went on for a really long time, but he did not continue getting hit by a motor or hit by a truck. Okay. I don't say that to poke fun at his incident at all. Where the, the trauma of infertility is everyday one is every diagnosis. Every time it doesn't work again, we're back in the throes of this trauma, right? Now you can expect my brother after his, uh, after his accident, super angry, bitter. I'm not going to give away all the skeletons in his closet about that. But what I will say is anger was a new emotion for him. And all of us can just silently like bobblehead along, like super validated in that. 
where again, think of all the losses and everything that we have in our reproductive trauma that says, I'm not with my peers anymore. My life dreams, my life expectations, my life wishes, everything I've ever wanted is not coming true. And I am losing it and I am angry. You're validated if you're there. Now, here's what I want us really to think about. Okay. I want you to picture an iceberg, go to Titanic. If you want, sometimes in my office, I like, I draw an oval. I have no artistic bones in my body, but think of an oval drawn on a piece of paper and kind of all the way up near the top where an iceberg, like the waterline would be drawn all the way, like just like maybe a fifth of the area there. Cause we know as in Titanic, like most of the iceberg is below the water. Okay. So we can think of anger and anger a lot of times is a socially acceptable emotion. It is easier for somebody to say like, oh, I'm going to flip you off when you cut me off on the interstate and I'm angry and whatever, when maybe there's another emotion like below the surface. Anger is something that is easy for us to show above the surface. This isn't just my idea. Okay. There are a lot of emotions that live under the surface to anger. And that's what I want us to think about because I think we live in anger and we judge and we shame ourselves for living in anger, but I wonder what's below. If you were to say, yeah, I'm angry and you get to be angry as an isolated emotion also, but if you were to say, I'm just so pissed, what's below the anger there? What's below the waterline? I think if you could have asked me 12, 13 years ago, Kathy, you sound so angry. What would have been below the surface for me is just sadness on a cellular level. What would have also been below the surface is complete and utter shame. I thought I was broken, wounded. I honestly gave my husband a hall pass to get out of our marriage because I thought he could have lived better with somebody who just didn't have such a sick uterus because I wanted him to have the babies that he wanted to have freely, right? And easily, but I felt such deep guilt and shame that that was under the surface of anger. Additionally, I think I felt, um, I felt really embarrassed because you know, when you're doing infertility, people ask you like, what are you doing wrong? Are you doing it right? Ha ha. Just relax. Just do all these things. I feel like the people that have no idea what's actually going on in infertility are the people with the loudest voice that are saying, well, you should, oh, I hate the word should stop shooting on me is what I think. But what is below your iceberg? Do you have some of those same emotions as I did? Jealousy or embarrassment or shame, or I just feel ugly. I don't feel like I'm a woman anymore. Yes, I'm angry at the injustices of life. I'm angry that my body's not working. All of that is self righteous, super validated anger. But in another category, is anger a bodyguard of another emotion? And if it is, I want you to give yourself, because we know trauma and grief and really intense emotions don't go away by just masking them. We have to deal with them. They don't go away by like drinking about them or just trying to forget about them. They're always going to creep up at another time. What are the emotions under your anger? Is it sadness validated? Is it, I feel shameful? Maybe not to validate and maybe we need to work through it, but embarrassment can lead to shame. Okay. Really fine line. And so may I 
give you permission. May I ask you to do this exercise? Sit with your emotions where you need to sit with these emotions. Uncover, like lift the rock and see what's under anger. Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it self-hatred? Is it just this like existential longing? Is it anger at God? Is it feeling betrayed by your body, your husband's body, or maybe your higher power? What is it? Do you feel like you're letting down your husband's family or your own family of origin? Do you feel like maybe you're feeling like you got robbed by some diagnosis early on in life? What was it for you? Again, I want you to think of like two different pockets, two different columns of anger. One is angry just because I'm just pissed. But is there an anger that's covering up other things? And if there is, you, sweet dear sister, brother, you need to address, work on, confront those emotions, deal with them, allow yourself to cry about them hunger for the complete healing of those so that you can move forward through this whole process. Working with these emotions will confront you at other times if dealt with. Working through these emotions is not going to guarantee you a baby. I didn't get a baby in the end. Yes, we adopted from Ethiopia. I am a mom by way of adoption. My body never worked. I had a hysterectomy at 32. Been in menopause for too long of a time. I feel like I'm already on the downhill slide. Wherever you are, ask yourself what emotions is anger the bodyguard to? And if you can find emotions there, do yourself like the honor. Step into those, maybe not while you're on your way to work, maybe not on the treadmill, maybe not while you're sitting in a cubicle. Give yourself the benefit of starting to address those emotions so that you can properly put them in the right place so they don't come out as anger and rage so that you can find your healing. Friends, I will be with you again next week. I hope that you have a lovely week. If you're in Tennessee and you want to work with us, TennesseeReproductiveTherapy.com, do a contact form, and we would love to get started on the healing process with you. Wherever you are, go out and thrive this week. Bye, y'all.